Our guest speaker today is Dave Adams. Dave and his wife Megan serve as missionaries from our church to the Dominican Republic. We're going to be in James chapter 1. And where's Dave? Adam. Dave, come on down. Some of you might not know Dave. Dave and Megan were our youth leaders and, and youth pastors here and did a super, super job. And now they're in the Dominican Republic. Morning. Um, but I just wanted to give a little update on our ministry. Not a whole lot's changed. I know we shared at, at Christmas. Um, Megan is applying this year to be the vice principal at, at the school that she's at. So she would continue like her teacher coaching and then have some other responsibilities. Um, so it's just a matter of if that's a good fit or not and, and things like that. And so she's kind of working and, and got some things. Just kind of pray for her on what, what next year looks like and just that God would guide it. And if she's the right person for that job or if somebody else should have it or whatever. Um, I mean, she's staying at the school either way. She's, she's doing some great things there. We get a lot of young teachers into that school. So it's great that they can have somebody with experience to come in, observe, like teach them how to get better and things like that. So um, that's what she's doing there. I run a, uh, I'm one of the co-leaders at the men's sports site. So we do mostly baseball and then we're in the schools a little bit. This year um, I'm teaching math in the morning also, three mornings a week at a Christian school. And that, that will be finished at the end of this year. I won't be able to do that next year. One of the guys that I'm working with, he's married to uh, an American and they're moving back to Texas. So instead of three of us, we'll just have the two of us. So there'll be different things I need to do in the morning. And so that, um, so teaching math will end at the end of this school year. Um, but I'm, I'm excited this year. We got to move to the, we used to teach, we used to help out with PE classes in different public schools in the area. And this year they switched and they're in, it's a community called Buena Vista, which is where all of our boys that we work with are from. So now we get to even three or four mornings a week, get to go and spend even more time with them, just being even more involved in their lives. So it was real exciting for this year. I didn't get to be a part of that aspect of it, but the other two guys that I work with that help, uh, that we run the practices and stuff in the afternoon and do the the devotion times and things, it's uh, those same groups of boys that we get to continue to invest in even in the mornings and stuff too. So that was a real cool addition to this year. One thing that I'm excited about that will most likely be happening, nothing's finalized yet, but in September, a lot of you have heard of poverty resolutions. And so they start poverty resolutions and we're going to take a group of about 10 of our boys over to Haiti on, a, on their own missions trip over there. So we're real excited about that. They're working with us trying to you know, like basically they're giving it to us at cost. They, they make money off you guys when you guys go to help run the ministry. But obviously when we're trying to bring our own ministry to theirs and they said, there's a lot of like, like a, a little bit of racism, like kind of hate that goes on between Haitians and Dominicans for a number of reasons. And so this would just be a really good opportunity to kind of like help bridge that gap a little bit and, you know, just start one step at a time. And, and just it would be real cool for our boys, too, to just see, like, you know, we get groups in all the time. So you get these guys coming in that don't speak Spanish, and, and it's like, oh, well, you know, whatever. And so then that, now they're going to get to go experience what it's like to not necessarily be able to communicate and, not, and, and what that looks like and kind of step into the shoes of, like, all the Americans that come down and spend time with them and what, what that's like when, when you go over there. And so we're real excited for that opportunity. Um, so we sell T-shirts every year. I know some of you guys have, have seen or bought a few of our T-shirts. And so this year, that, like, uh, a part of that will go towards, um, will go towards that trip and, and helping to pay for that. So, um, yeah, that's, I think that's about it. So 
Uh, today I'm going to talk out of James chapter 1. This is the, the devotion that I give to the groups when they come down. So the few of you, I think there's a handful of you who have heard it before. You can go ahead and start your nap. And then, but um, I've gotten a real good response from, from this, and I just really wanted to, to share it here. And um, Yeah, so let's pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, I just thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity that, um, that I could be here and just share your word, Lord. And we just pray for... We just pray that it's your word, Lord, and it doesn't have anything to do with, with me speaking or, or anything else, Lord, that it would just be you speaking through me. And, um, Lord, we just pray that this would just come alive this morning, Lord, and that, um, that just what needs to be said would be said, Lord, and that, and, and that you would just take over and just fill this place. And we just pray all these things in your name. Amen. So we're in James chapter 1. And so the, the interesting thing is usually if you go on, like, retreats or mission trips or whatever, you get these like cool little notebook things and they, they have devotions for every day. And they give you a section of scripture and they, they give you all these like questions to make you think and whatever. And really that didn't happen at all in this one, which I thought was a good idea. They just gave you a section of scripture and it just says basically like, go ahead, what do you think? And so I was excited when, it, when I found out I was going to be teaching out of James. I really like the book of James. Most people like either really like it or it's like their favorite book or whatever. And I think the reason for that is James speaks pretty clearly. There's not too much like, what do you think he meant by that, right? It's, it's very direct. And so I'm a pretty direct person, so I really like when people talk directly to me. And two things happen when you get to the end of the book of James. You sit there and you go, wow, God really spoke to me through that, right? Because it's like you, you read through James, especially in James 1, it's like, oh, verse 3 applies to me and verse 6 applies to me and verse 7 applies to me. So you get to the end, you're like, wow, God really used that to speak to me. Or the other thing that happens is you get to the end and you go, wow, I'm a terrible person. Because when the Bible applies to you that many times in such a short thing, you're like, man, I got a lot of stuff to work on, right? And it's just not, not it's, a lot of times it's encouraging because you say, oh, look, I can do this and I can do this. And a lot of times it's like, oh, no, I am not doing any of that, right? And so we, we, you can get a little discouraged, but, but I really like the book of James. And so there's two areas I want to talk about today. The first is trials versus temptations are not necessarily temptations, but maybe the punishments that come from temptations, from giving into temptations. And the second is doubt. So the first, I think it's important to identify sometimes the difference between trials and temptations, right? Or the trials and punishments, right? For instance, if, if you, let's say you start stealing from your job, right? And then you get fired and you go home and you're sitting on the couch and you're just like, man, I can't believe I got fired. This must be one of those trials God was talking about. No, you got fired because you made a stupid decision, right? You just decided uh, it was a good idea to start stealing from your job. So you getting, that, that would be a good example of a punishment, right? I have a friend who's a youth pastor in Texas. He's got this little wall hanging that says, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes that reason is you're stupid and make bad decisions, right? And it, I feel like that couldn't be more true. Anybody in here ever done something stupid? <laughs> okay, good. Not just me. Perfect. Right? So when we make bad decisions, right, we get punished for them. And it's not different with our Heavenly Father than it was when we were growing up with our earthly father. Right? I have a three-year-old son. Sometimes he gets mad and he starts winding up getting ready to hit one of us or something. And we look at him and we go, make a good decision. And sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. And when he doesn't, what happens? There's a consequence. Right? And so it's the same thing. But we can look at trials also. Why do we have trials in our life? A lot of times our trials can come from our faith. 
that we, we end up facing hardships because of our faith? And can we, can we get to a point that we take joy in those trials and those difficulties to say, yeah, I'm going to come out stronger from this. I'm going to be able to show Christ through this trial. It's all through the Bible, different examples of trials versus punishments. We can look at the Israelites wandering through the desert, right, and judge it, and the, the entire book of Judges. These are perfect examples of punishments. They, the Israelites didn't go wandering through the desert because they were so faithfully following God, right? The entire book of Judges, you walk through, people call it the toilet bowl, toilet bowl book. Because what happens? You say, oh, Israel's following God. They're not following God. Now they get punished. Then they get, to, or they get taken over. Then they repent. God saves them. Now they're following God. Now they're not following God. And it just goes round and round and round for however many chapters. That's ba- I mean, there's obviously more to it, but that's basically the gist of the book of Judges, right? But then you have plenty of, of trials in there, too. We have the, um, the entire story of Noah. Noah was persecuted, made fun of, whatever, as he builds this boat. Now think about this. I know, I know 100%. I would have been one of the people standing there making fun of Noah. I know that 100%. And most of you probably would have too. Because Noah's building this enormous boat on land, not near water, in a place that it has never rained before. You've been like, right? I don't know about you. I would have made fun of him. I mean, like, what is this guy doing? Well, God told me it's going to rain. Right, yeah. Yeah, water's going to fall from the sky, right? It's never happened before. Imagine you show up to church, and, and Chuck and the Wilson army are out front building this, like, aluminum hut. And you say, guys, what are you, what are you guys doing? Well, God told us it's going to rain fire tomorrow. You're like, oh, that's, that's so great. And what's your, you're walking away going, I knew that 13th kid would put him right over the edge. I knew I, it was just a matter of time. Right? You're like, Chuck's looked tired for years, but I didn't think he'd actually snap like this. But now it's over. It's, it's done. It's just, it's what it is. Right? No, none, none of us would think, oh, that's a great idea. Let me go buy some aluminum so I can help him. Right? But that's essentially what they were doing to Noah. And you look at Paul, the entire, or Paul's entire life. If you look at 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 25, it, it just lists out what, what Paul had gone through. It says, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again, five times received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked, I spent a night and day in the open sea, I have been constantly on the move. That's exhausting to read. Imagine going through all of that. And you can sit there and say, yeah, but, but Paul knew that God was going to Sometimes I feel like we read the Bible because it happens in such a short section that we lose sight of what's really going on. And you say, oh, yeah, but, you know, there was a time that Paul was in prison. And it's like, yeah, but he knew God was going to take him out. Did he? Or could that have been the end? And you realize at least one of these times he was in there for, for over two years. You're sitting, this wasn't like, we sit here and we read it and it takes, oh, yeah, three verses later he's getting, you know. Busted out by whatever. But he was in there for a long time. So you're going to sit there and wait for two years. And you're going to tell me he never had doubts. He never got frustrated. He never, whatever. But he found joy in those trials. And most of us will never have to face the kind of trials that, the kind of difficulties that somebody like Paul went through. But can we get to the point in our lives that we say, no, it's worth it. That we don't shy away from the difficult times. We don't shy away from those trials. That we take pride in it. 
that we take joy in it. And we say, no, this is worth it. Because I'm doing this for God. But then the other side, we have the temptations that we, we fall into. Right? And then there's that other side that when we want to get rid of that temptation, we want to get rid of those sins. You know, I feel like too often we, get to the, we, we come to a point that we're just, we try to pray our, our, our temptations away, which is great. We absolutely should. But sometimes we feel like that's going to be the end-all, be-all of our temptation. And we say, Lord, please take this away from me. Amen. Oh, I can't believe I'm still tempted by it. So why do we think that should just be a, an easy fix? I had somebody tell me once, well, I prayed for God to take this away, and he didn't, so I feel like he's telling me he's not ready for me to give that sin up yet. What? That might be the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So because you're still struggling with it, God's telling you it's okay to keep on sinning. But that's the kind of stuff we go through in our minds sometimes to just kind of rationalize what we do, isn't it? Like some of us might not go to the, quite that extreme or say that out loud. But at the same time, we sit there and, yes, we struggle with that same thing. I, I could probably go through this room and everybody has a different struggle that they, or a different sin that they tend to struggle with. But do we sit there and we, do we try to get uncomfortable in our sin? Do we try to take drastic steps to get rid of it? Or do we just identify it? Yep, there it is. Here's my sin. This, this is mine right here. Me and this sin. You know, we go hand in hand. Because the thing is, we, try, we, we think like, oh, it should just, I should just be able to pray it away, and that's it. Well, how do we get into this mess in the beginning? It doesn't typically happen one time. You don't, you know, if, if you have a problem controlling your tongue, you don't typically say one bad word and all of a sudden you swear like a sailor, right? That's not typically how it goes. It just gradually happens. You make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision over and over and over and all of a sudden you're in real deep, right? But yet we think, I'm just going to step right out of it. No, it doesn't work like that. What are we going to do to be uncomfortable in that sin? I had a friend of mine in college. This is a perfect example. I had a friend of mine in college who had a problem, um, had a problem with pornography, Nothing that was like life controlling and you know, you see you hear of people that it's just like controlling their every move. But he was in he was in a relationship with this girl. They had been dating for a while. He knew he wanted to marry her, but he knew he had to get this under control, or just not under control, get it out of his life before he was gonna take that next step with his girlfriend. So he's thinking and thinking, and now there's there's all this stuff you can put on your phone and on your tablets, your computers, whatever, all these apps and um, to help keep you accountable. And what you do is you download it and you put a couple of people's emails in there. And, and when you look at anything questionable on your computer, it sends it to this other person and says, hey, so-and-so was looking at this, you should, you know, whatever. Now, the, the question is, what kind of accountability partner do you want? Because the problem is, if I just have a buddy of mine and we're both struggling with something like that and we put each other on there and I say, oh, yeah, you know, I screwed up this month. Oh, yeah, me too. Okay, well, we're going to do better. Okay, great. How uncomfortable was that? So this guy said, no, 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 that's not going to work. I need, I need something stronger. I need something better. So you know who he put on there? His girlfriend's father. Oh, yeah. That got uncomfortable real quick, didn't it? His girlfriend's father. So now, guess what? He got rid of that sin. Because anytime he was tempted on his phone, on his computer, on whatever, he said, man, if I, if I take one step further... 
my future father-in-law is going to know about this. And he was willing to take that drastic of a step to get rid of that sin in his life. And I'm not saying that's not still a temptation for him. It's not whatever. It, but it's out of his life. Because he was willing to get uncomfortable with his sin. So what are we doing to avoid these temptations? What are we doing to, to just get rid of it altogether? And I think this will kind of move into, into doubt, but I think sometimes we're not, always, we're not always willing to get rid of it because we have doubts maybe about our faith. Or we have doubts about what, what the trials are going to actually look like. And we have doubts about, about how God's going to actually save us from certain things. So that's the second part I want to talk about is doubt. And I think, this, I think James talks about it perfectly because it says... In verse, uh, sorry, I don't, my book doesn't have verses. Six. In verse six, he says, yeah, there you go. He says, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. I love that part there when it says, he is like a wave of the sea. Right, And I feel like that's so much of what we do, especially when we have doubts in our lives. We have this, yes, Lord, I want to follow you, but I don't want it to be that difficult. Yes, I, you know, and it's just back and forth and back and forth. And we go in these waves, right, of just, yes, holy, holy, holy. No, I want to do what I want to do. Right? And we just keep going back and forth. As a, and, and like it says, to a double-minded man, we try to play out both sides. We try to sit on that fence, and we try to get half world and half Christ, and it doesn't work. But what is a doubt? The thing is, James is talking to, James is talking to, to believers here, because he's talking about doubt. Now, this isn't talking to somebody who's just an atheist, right? They're, they're not doubting. They believe that there is no God, right? Th- those aren't doubts. Doubts is when is just a little bit of, like, unbelief kind of, like, mixed in a little, right? And so... What I think a perfect example is when we look at Peter walking on the water, right? And so we kind of read over this sometimes, and I feel like we read over it a little too fast, just like other things. Peter's sitting in the boat, right? Jesus is walking out on the water, and Peter sees him and says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me, or, it, tell me to come out to you. He says, step on out. And he steps out of the boat, and he is standing on water. Standing on water. Sometimes I feel like we're just there, yeah, and Peter steps out of the boat and he's standing on water. Why don't you Jesus? No, no, no. He's standing on water. Right? Outside of the boat, standing on water, staring face to face with Jesus. And what happens? The waves start coming up around him. And he goes, Oh no. And he starts looking around. And what happens? Boom. Falls in. Right? Standing on water, face to face with Jesus, and he still lets doubt creep in. And I feel like we do the exact same thing. We sit there, and maybe our spiritual life is going great. We're in our Bibles every day. We're going to church every Sunday. Our small group's fantastic. We couldn't be more in line with God, right? And then what happens? Something starts happening in our lives. And we say, oh, God, I don't know that you can handle all this. Just let let me take care of this. That always works out well, right? 
and we're staring at Jesus, but yet we, we let all this outside crap just take over our lives. And we just start getting focused on that, and we lose our, we lose our face-to-face contact with Jesus. And what happens? We fall in. And then we start crying out, help me, help me, help me. I need, you know. And Jesus pulls us out and he goes, what are you doing? But why does does this happen? Right? But it happens all the time. We let doubt creep in everywhere. You hear people of, they get cured from cancer. You say, wow, it's a medical miracle. Really? Why? Because God can't cure cancer? Is that where we're letting it go? I remember talking to my mom once a while back, way before any of this, and she probably doesn't even remember this conversation. Talking about she was going to work one day and couldn't find her keys or I don't know what it was, but she just prayed real quick like, Lord, I could use all green lights to get to work on time. You remember this? Yeah. I could use, I could use all green lights to get to work on time. Gets her, gets her shoes, gets her keys, gets in the car, goes to work, boom, 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 all green lights, gets to work a minute or two early. And he goes, and what, what, what was her reaction? Her first reaction? Man, that was cool how that worked out. We don't even give God traffic lights. We say like, oh man, I can't believe that worked out. Yeah, I can't believe it. You mean the thing you actually prayed for happens and now we're just shocked. Right? I mean, we won't even give God the small things, let alone the big things. But yet we're supposed to be dedicating our lives to him. We're supposed to be saying, yes, this is, this is it. I think the problem is we let these doubts creep in because we let all that outside stuff in. Like we're talking about with Peter and the waves. We just get too focused on, on the world around us and we lose our vision of Jesus. And we let all this other stuff, all this stuff from the world creep into our lives and we start believing it. And guys, it happened from the beginning of time. You look in the Bible, where does it start? It starts in Genesis with Eve. She was talking to the serpent, right? You can read, the, you can read it in Genesis. It's very clear. What does God say to Adam and Eve? You can eat from every tree in the garden, not that one, right? I don't know. I don't read Greek or Hebrew or anything else, but in English, it is very clear. You can eat from every tree, not that one. So Eve's walking around one day. The serpent starts talking to him. Did God really say you couldn't eat from that tree? Yeah, yeah, he said, can't eat from that tree. He can eat from any of them, not that one. That's what he said. Did he really say that? But you know why he said that, right? What do you mean? Well, he said, because if you eat from that tree, you'll be like God. Now, what, what should Eve have done? No, 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 no. God said, don't eat from that tree. But what does she do? She goes, oh, like God. Oh, I like that. Keep talking. You t- tell me more about that. Tell me more about how I'm going to be like God. Right? She walked in the garden with God. God gave her direct instructions right to her and still letting this doubt. Oh, but I could be like God if I ate from that tree. But it happens to us every single day. It's why we let all this stuff into our churches, into our homes, into our thoughts. Because we start hearing stuff that we like. Right? 
Here's the punchline of the entire sermon. Ready? Your opinion does not matter. I don't care what you think. How you think the world should work, how you want the world to work, what you think should be going on. I don't care. It doesn't matter. If you're calling yourself a Christian, then you are here saying, I believe God's word. One of the biggest examples in our, in our churches today, not just in the world, in our churches, is homosexual marriage okay? I can follow, you know, I've talked to people, they say, oh, but we serve a God of love. And if two people love each other, he would want them to be together. That's fantastic. I completely understand your logic. I follow that completely. Is that what the Bible says? No? Then you're wrong. The end, period. If what you're about to say is, I know what the Bible says, but... I think, just stop, because I don't care. You're wrong. I don't know what's going to come out of your mouth next, but I can guarantee you it's not right. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and they were saying, you know, I don't, I don't always agree with what the Bible says in the sense that if I was the one writing the Bible, it would have been a little different. But it's what the Bible says, so that's what I have to follow. Right? I think we've all gotten to places in the Bible at some point that you sit there and you say, man, if I was writing this, but really, thank God none of us wrote it. Amen? <laughs> right? We don't get to change the Bible. You're not Thomas Jefferson. You don't get to take a black marker, scratch out the parts you don't want, and just make your own religion. It doesn't work that way. You either believe the Bible or you don't. That's it. The end. Proverbs 3, 5 to 8 says it perfectly. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, and even if you haven't been, you've probably heard this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Here's my favorite part. Be not wise in your own eyes. That's God being nice and saying, I don't care about your opinion. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Another good example, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but not that long ago, we had somewhat of a controversial election. Now, I'm not standing up here. I'm not about to get political, okay? My political opinion was it was bad versus worse, and you had to pick which one was which, right? But... I saw a lot of people, you know, and if you're posting articles wanting to support one candidate versus another, that's, that's whatever. But right now, Donald Trump is the president of the United States. Yes or no? Yes. It doesn't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, or whatever. He is the president. That's a fact. Correct? Thank you. So do you pray for him? Great. I hope so. That's usually the part when I, when I give this talk to the kid, they oh. I get some people that nod, and I get some people that start like, "Well, look at the ceiling. That's really cool. I hope that's true, because there's a lot of people that start posting stuff that, that I know are, or are Christians that start posting slanderous things, hashtag not my president, right? We've all seen that. That's sin. That's wrong. Because what does the Bible say? In Romans 13.1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. I am not sitting up here saying Donald Trump was a clear Christian choice. 
That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if he's in power, God wanted him there. Do we pray for him? Because by not praying for him and by just sitting there slandering him, we're sitting there going, there's the line. God can use a lot of people, can't use Donald Trump. Or maybe we should pray for him to say, man, because if God can use Donald Trump, then who can't he use? Because where else is that glory going to go if he uses Donald Trump to bring glory to him? My goodness. You know, I was telling Chuck the other day, we had lunch. uh, And I said, Chuck, because you know what the long and short of it is? Chuck's a great pastor. I love Chuck to death. I don't care about Chuck's opinion. Do you know why everybody thinks Chuck's such a great pastor? Because he preaches the word. Because I told Chuck, I said, Chuck, the second you get up here just sharing your own personal opinions, I'm leaving. I don't go to Chuck when I have questions about things because I think Chuck's opinion is higher than anybody else's. I go to Chuck because I know he's going to give me what the word says. Because our opinions don't matter. So now we come to the the part of, okay, great. We know we have doubts. Maybe we even know why we have doubts. How do we overcome doubts? How do we get past these? How do we try to eliminate these temptations? How do we take joy in these trials? How do we get rid of our doubts? Three easy steps. Easy to say, not easy to do. Is that how it always works? First part, we realize that salvation is only the beginning. It is just the first step in a long journey. Now, maybe you're here. And you haven't even been on that journey yet. Maybe you're looking for answers. Maybe you're looking to start that journey. I'm not trying to belittle the first step. A call to salvation is is where it has to start. Right? It is the most important step, but it is the first step. Because in Romans 10... Romans 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you, have, that you believed and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So if we say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you in my life. Please come save me. I believe that you came and died and rose again. I want you to be the Lord of my life. That is absolutely how we become saved. That is also just the first step. Think of it like signing up for the gym. There's tons of people across this, this country and probably a lot of other countries that they go January 1st and they say, I'm going to sign up for the gym. I want to lose 15 pounds this year, right? And you sign up for the gym, you go home, get your bag of Doritos, and you say, man, I'm really glad I did that. This is a great idea. How much weight are you going to lose? Nothing. Is it important to sign up for the gym? Absolutely. Is it important to keep going to the gym? Yes. Right? So we have to realize that us accepting Christ into our lives, very important, is step one. It is not the end-all, be-all of our faith. What's What's step two? Read the Bible. Do we know what the Bible says? I feel like that's the biggest reason 
that we let all this outside influences into our lives because we say, oh, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds good. I'm going to go with that. Why does that sound right? It's because we have no idea what the Bible says. Are you in the Bible every day? Have you read the entire Bible? Oh, you mean like even the book of Numbers? Even the book of Numbers. Right? Well, I mean, not the whole Bible. The Bible's really long. I bet there's people in here who have read all seven Harry Potters. Those are long. I haven't, but <laughs> there's a lot of people in here who love Twilight. Those are long. And yet this is supposed to be God's word that he has provided for us. And we sit there and go, well, I don't want to read the whole thing. Right? And I'm the biggest hypocrite. I didn't read the whole Bible until I was 28 years old. There was one year that me and my siblings and my wife said, you know what, we're going to do this. And so we went online and we each bought a, a Bible in a year. And every day it has it mapped out for you every day. And it says, oh, here's part of the New Testament, here's part of or the Old Testament, the New Testament, a little bit of Proverbs, a little bit of Psalms. And you go through it every day, and it says day one, day two, day three, and you go all the way through. And, and we did that in, in a year. You got to the end of the year, and then the next year I decided, you know, I'm going to read it cover to cover. And I just went from Genesis all the way through. Because I realized at 28 years old, I had probably, I grew up in a Christian school, going to youth group, you know, went to a Christian college, so I had studied a lot of it. But I wasn't 100% sure if I had read every word of the Bible. And I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to be in youth group with these kids and say, yeah, it is super important to know what the Bible says. And I haven't even read it all. And so I took it upon myself, and I said, you know what? I need to do this. And you go on Amazon. I bought the book for $8. If that's what's stopping you, come see me. I'll buy you one. Right? If $8 is what's stopping you from, from reading the Bible in a year, please come talk to me. I'll take that excuse away from you real quick. All right? Do we know what the Bible says? Is that really where our beliefs are coming from? Or are they coming from CNN and Fox News and whatever else other, right, whatever night show you watch or whatever? And what's the third step? Prayer. Do we spend time praying to God? Do we spend time? And, and when we pray, are we taking time to listen? Or do we just talk when we need something? When we sing this song, are we singing, I need you, oh, I need you? Or are we singing, I need you when I need you? Do we only go to God when we need something? Do we only go to God when whatever? Thank you for this food. Amen. Good. I'm hungry. Right? Is that the extent of our prayer life? Or do we actually sit there and listen to what God has to say? I guarantee if you had a friend, a spouse, or whatever, that just wanted to talk all the time but never wanted to let you talk, that relationship would fizzle out pretty quick. Right? A relationship goes two ways. You talk, then you listen. Then you talk, then you listen. Right? Well, it's the same with God. This is supposed to be the most important relationship in our life, and sometimes we just want to be the one talking. Do you sit there uninterrupted? Can you put your phone in another room? <gasps> Wait, what? Out of arm's reach? Yes, out of arm's reach. Can you turn it off? Power off? Anymore, it seems ridiculous that somebody would even suggest that. What if somebody needs to get a hold of me? Then they'll call you back. I don't know what to tell you. 
Can you take that time and just be fully concentrated on God as you read the Bible, as you pray, as you whatever? So I hope this morning that's, I hope this morning something kind of touched your heart. I know when I, when I go through this, something, something new kind of sticks out to me in my own life that I need to either some temptation that I'm just not getting rid of, some kind of trial that I need to actually take joy in, some kind of doubt that I'm letting creep into my life that I say, no, this isn't, this isn't okay, right? I just want to take a time, take a minute to close and just, just a, a, a minute of, of silence that you just spend by yourself, just you and God. Just pray. Just say, God, here's what I need to give up. Here's what I need to. And maybe you're here today and, and you want to pray and say, God, I want to take that first step. I do want to accept you as my Savior. This is the perfect time to do that too. And I would encourage you, come, if, if that's a decision you want to make too, please come talk to Chuck or myself or somebody and, so we can just start praying for you, so we can start this journey with you. But let's just take a minute of quiet, something that maybe stuck out to you this morning that, that you just need to give to God, something that needs to just be laid at the cross. Let's take a minute, and then I'll close some prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Just thank you that the snow cleared out and that we could come in, Lord, and just dive into your word and worship you and just just start our week the right way. And Lord, I just pray for for myself, Lord. I just pray for everyone in here that whatever's going on in our life that's just not of you, Lord, that we would just be able to get rid of that, that you would come beside us and that you would just help us through that process of just getting right with you just 100% being focused, having tunnel vision on you, Lord, that we would just be able to weed out all the outside distractions, all the outside influences, and just say, no, I want to be 100% a follower of Christ. Please help us just to, to lay at your feet whatever's holding us back from that, Lord. And we just pray that you would just come alongside us and, and, and just walk through that journey with us, Lord. And we just pray all these things in your name. Amen.